If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Now, here's your host, Dan Celia. Good morning. Welcome back to Financial Issues. Monday morning. Great to be here. May 17th. We are tearing through this month. Seems to be going awfully quick. Lots going on. It's going to be another very busy week, no doubt about it. Uh, Lots of things to be pondering. We will get the Fed minutes coming out at 2 o'clock on, I believe, Wednesday. So that'll be interesting. We'll take a look at that and see. It's going to be wordsmithed and and oh, taken apart and trying to look for anything in reference to primarily inflation. That is the concern. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, all the indices are in negative territory. Uh, all down about a half of 1%. The uh, oil is down about three quarters of 1%. So we'll see where things open, but it looks like they're going to continue on. You know, last week was the worst week since February. We did get some relief there in the last two days, but, um, you know, we still finished the week pretty much in negative territory. It was a very, very volatile week. Things were all over the place. We're looking at the U.S. 10-year bond, still yielding 1.64, 1.64, so... Um, that is interesting. US, um, UBS has raised its 2021 forecast of the Dow. I mean, I'm sorry, the S&P 500 has raised it to 4,400, primarily due to strong earnings. Uh, I wouldn't be so quick about that. For strong earnings now, yes. We're sitting, by the way, just to put it in a little bit of context, 45 or 4151. 4151, they're saying 44 by the end of the year. I hope they're right about that. But we'll see. There's an awful lot to be digested. And look, um, I I don't know that we can be so quick to say, well, it's going to be based on earnings reports. Earnings reports have been good, yes, but there's only one, this is only one quarter uh, earnings reports. So let's see what it looks like uh, end of June, what earnings reports looks like, and then beyond that as inflation likely is taking place. Uh, speaking of inflation, it's becoming a bigger and bigger concern for the European markets, and it's going to be a bigger, bigger concern for the Federal Reserve. So look, 
we're going to have inflation. We have to. Now, I don't know if you're as old as me or not. You don't have to be as old as me to remember where we were back in the late 70s. Man, there's some bad memories there in all through the 70s. Some bad memories. And um, it's likely causing some anxiety for the Biden administration. One would have to think it is anyway. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe this is where they want to be. It's possible. So the economic recovery from this unprecedented pandemic, a global pandemic, um, it's got to hit some bumps. And one of those bumps is the job openings are dampening consumer confidence. That's not good. So we're ramping up inflation fears. And it's helping Republicans build a case against President Biden. And his very, very, very ambitious plan to revamp, to fix, fix, change the U.S. economy with trillions of dollars of new spending. No way to pay it back, but it's okay. We'll cross that bridge later, so they say. As the 1970s proved... High joblessness and rising prices is a force, political force and economic force, to be reckoned with. And it's not a pretty picture. Now, look, we don't have to talk about the jobless rate. We know what that is, right? 8.2% job openings. 10 million people um, unemployed, maybe a little less than that now. And we've got prices going up. Everybody's talking about transitory. They're not temporary increases. So airline prices are up 10%. Well, somebody says, well, that's that's not bad because they're still 20% off their all-time highs. That is true. So basically what you're saying, they're up 10% now over last year, meaning they're headed towards that 20% close that gap up from their all-time highs. Well, that's not good. It doesn't matter where they were two years ago at their height, three years ago at their height. It's kind of irrelevant. Because in order to get there, prices are going to have to go up when people are unemployed and other prices are going up with it. Remember, they were a lone wolf for a lot of years. Prices going up, buying back their stocks, still barely making any money. It's a pathetic industry. A necessary one, but pathetic nonetheless. But, you know, they spent all that money buying back their stocks instead of creating more efficiencies, giving that back in some dividends and being prepared for the next shoe to drop in the economy, little did we expect to 
pandemic. So inflations are ramping up. Look, there's a lot of pressure on companies right now to continue to raise prices. Not raise prices because they want to make more money. Raise prices because they need to pay more money. Amazon, McDonald's setting a somewhat of an example here of raising wages across the board. And certainly these other big companies are going to have to do that, not only to maintain the workforce they have, but to bring more workforce in out of the shadows of wherever it is they're hiding. That's called inflation. It's got to happen. It's not transitory because if you raise somebody's wages, you're not taking them back. You're not going to say, well, by the way, you know, we're going to take this. You will have larger layoffs when a recession hits. You will have larger layoffs because you have more people making more money. So therefore, you're going to have to let more people go. So you will have that. And that's not going to be good for any kind of recovery. So, you know, look, we've got to take all of this into consideration. The IMF is considering taking a page out of the Fed book and do nothing for a while. In other words, don't worry about deflation, which is what they're worried about in Europe, and or inflation, just, you know, leave well enough alone, like the Fed's doing. Well, that's not going to work over there, but they could try it. They don't have inflation problems. They have stagnation problems at the very same time, which is obviously somewhat impossible. But at the very same prices, they have some prices going up. Six ten three six three eleven ten. We have some uh, fairly important economic news, and we'll get to that as well. We'll be back right after this. Six ten three six three eleven ten. Six ten three six three eleven ten six ten three six three eleven ten. If you want to queue your call up, you're welcome to do it. Listen, I mentioned to all of you a couple of things, very important things. Uh, first of all, you have been on our website. You have seen the baby bo- bottle and the explosion there of meeting our goal. We meet our we met our goal about the second hour on Friday. Very very exciting news and um, just absolutely amazing. And I want to. I want to thank all of you for that. Uh, what a blessing it's been. Look, it's not time to stop giving to preborn. I hope many of you will become permanent givers. I also ask you to consider your monthly gift here to financial issues that you might become one of our soldiers. Boy, I'll tell you, we've got a powerful, powerful army, as proven last week, as we uh, really uh, rallied the troops to react and to for the call to action to do something about this S-1 bill or the HR-1 uh, uh, bill that is going to change America. And we'll try to get an update on that this week. But 
we, we do have a powerful army of people here at Financial Issues. We want you to be a part of that. And we ask you is if you would give $20 a month. And it's, I know it doesn't sound like much because it isn't much. But we're playing kind of a law of large numbers here. And when you have, you know, uh, a million people, to, uh, million, probably uh, five to six million people a week that hear the program, uh, we only need a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a percent uh, to get to do $20 a month to come alongside us if they would. And we are praying that you could find it in your heart. And if the Lord lays it on your heart, that to make a small gift of $20 a month every month, you just go to financialissues.org, click on make a donation and put $20 in and, and make it monthly. And um, it would be a huge, huge uh, resource for us uh, to continue to grow the ministry and to work on all and to stay uh, healthy and strong financially. $20 a month. That's all we're asking. I'm not ask, asking 50. We have people giving 50 and 100 and 10 and 5 and whatever. But um, um, we're asking for 20 and whatever you can do, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, it would be an amazing blessing to us here so we can continue our work of standing up for the unborn and feeding the hungry. We're going to have a special guest from India uh, on the program, uh, I'm hoping. So I'm very uh, excited about that, and we'll, we'll see, how that, uh, see how that goes. So I'm very excited about it. 610-363, I believe that's going to be on Wednesday uh, to hear because it's, you know, we got to get, uh, you know, the, the partner there over in India that is delivering the food that so many of you have paid for. Um, they, have, they have lost some of their team members to COVID, and they are still very sick. Uh, the man that Daniel, I believe his name is, that, that is uh, over there, that is going to get this food to the, to the uh, very severe impoverished, um, is recovering, and he is home, and he is uh, getting better. So uh, that's... That's good news. But uh, we sure appreciate you coming alongside us in so many of these efforts. Um, but preborn, what a celebration that was. So thank you for that. Uh, the European Union and the United States are starting talks to address the steel tariffs that were imposed by President Tr Trump. Uh, remember, that was a very big uh, uh, problem with our relationship with Europe. They didn't like it much. And uh, President Trump did it because we didn't like it much that they were still insisting on tariffs on our automobile parts and our cars and those kinds of things. So um, we, we were um, looking at, from a competitive disadvantage perspective, we put tariffs on their steel. Now, this was very good for U.S. steel manufacturers. Uh, this, what President Biden is trying to do right now, is not going to be so good for steel manufacturers. It's going to allow more competition to come in. I wonder if they're going to do it with China as well. I wouldn't be surprised. So um, this, according to U.S. trade representatives 
uh, and uh, the European Commission said that the committee uh, to engaging in these discussions um, to expeditiously to find a solution for the end of the uh, by the end of the year that will demonstrate how the U.S. and the EU are addressing capacity, ensuring long-term viability of our steel and aluminum industries, and strengthen our uh, democratic alliance. No, it's to strengthen the European Union's alliance. It has little to do with strengthening our democratic society because we're going to be losing um, to Europe for a number of things. So I don't know. I mean, this is typical because we've got to just go on. You know, President Obama went on an apology tour and and President Biden's going on a virtual, um, you know, kissing and making up tour that they feel we need to do. But it is about, it should still be about America first, and it obviously isn't anymore. Gas prices jumped 2.5% after the pipeline um, ransomware attack. But look, they're likely to keep going up this summer. Remember this, they were going up before the pipeline uh, crisis ever hit. Remember, gas prices were pretty much steadily going up over the last six months. Then we had the pipeline crisis. Now the pipeline crisis is over, and what's going to happen is prices are going to still continue to go up. And I don't think we're going to see that. Now this is going to keep it at bay a little bit, not having that, but we still have demand issues and, and supply issues, and we don't have a lot of balance in that yet. Hopefully we will soon. I find it very interesting that the Chinese factories have slowed their output growth in April, or at least they announced so. Well, if you listen to this program, you didn't need to hear that announcement because you already knew that because I said that months ago, that there's no way on God's green earth they have the kind of production they're talking about. It is literally impossible. You have the Eurozone in a deep recession and you've got the U.S. not buying anything. People aren't out and about. How is it possible? Well, we're now finding out that it isn't possible. And they're starting to own up to the fact that uh, April's retail sales significantly missed expectations. So um, this is a new problem, they say. It's really not. But this is a new problem that is going to be affecting the recovery in the world's second largest economy. I don't think so. I don't think, I think there's a lot more to this uh, than that, which are basically all the things that I've been saying for a long time. But I find it interesting that China says something, everybody believes it. Then when they change it, like they're doing now, they're saying, oh, I don't know what happened. They make all kinds of supply chain kinds of excuses. Um, they never think that they might have been lying in the first place. They don't want to talk about that. So now they're going to believe what China's saying now. That, you know, they're still going to grow. They're just going to be growing at 8% instead of the 11%. Okay. 
Well, I again, 8%, 5%, 4%, 10%. It's irrelevant where are the goods going, who's buying them. We have a crisis in buyers around the country, around the world. That is for sure. So anyway, we'll continue to see how that goes. Obviously, last week's April uh, consumer report, consumer spending report and and inflation inflation report focusing, um, you know, the the quarterly annualized um, inflation report. And they annualize that to be able to soften the distortion of uh, such a big number compared to where they've been. The sharp increases came in lodging, fuels, utilities, used cars, and airlines. All of these things obviously related to the opening of the economy. They're nothing new. They're what we knew. But I find it interesting that they've left out food. Because not only energy going up in utilities, but food has been going up too, and it's going to continue to rise. Prices are above the Fed's 2% margin. They're not concerned about it. I'm not concerned about it. But I will get concerned about it real quick if we start seeing a trajectory or a trend here to a trajectory of continuing to go up. It's going to be a problem. So, you look, the inflation is going to be an issue for the Federal Reserve. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, we have housing prices uh, going up dramatically. Uh, that's primarily due to the Fed's mortgage-backed security buying, which they said already they're going to continue to buy. That will implode, implode. Plowed one of these days, but for now they're going to they're they're saying they're going to continue to buy mortgage-backed securities. So I think it's a problem because I think we're going to continue to see a lower dollar as the summer goes on. Consumer sentiment and business sentiment is going to change for the worst, and that's going to be the beginning of the spiral downward. Is that likely to happen soon? No, probably by the end of the summer. That's soon enough. It's already showing signs of weakness, consumer sentiment and business sentiment. Spending has already slowed dramatically compared to wages. What happens if we raise wages and spending doesn't pick up again because everybody's scared? It's likely to happen. All right, we're going to get to your phone call, 610 610- 363-1110 right after this break. 610, 610, 363, 1110. If you want to queue your call up, you're welcome to do it. 610, 
323-436-1110. Let me go to phones. Let me go to um, Doug. Doug is calling us from North Carolina. Hi, Doug. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I am uh, uh, somewhat new to your program, but I'm uh, very impressed uh, and appreciate the information you've been given. I'm in a situation right now. I own a... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Uh, a fair amount of something over $250,000 in a, a original bank stock, which is right now uh, at about its all-time high and i need uh to liquidate uh, some of that to make a purchase uh, on, on some property and i guess my my thought is and i'm concerned about you know, what the market's going to do uh perhaps should i just go ahead and liquidate all of it and 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 put what i don't need for the property acquisition into something else uh, is it is, is it a publicly traded company? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and, I can tell you that I don't mind if you, unless you'd rather me not say uh, that. Well, I, I don't. You can't. You can tell me if you want it. Really. Um, it's, it's fifth third. Fifth okay. third bank. Yeah. Um. So. I I would. You know, do you have capital gains tax? I suspect. Yeah, I will have. Yeah, I'll have some capital gains tax. So. Okay. Um, so I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan of financials right now, uh, in light of what is going on. Um, I would probably look at selling all of it if you can bite the bullet on the capital gains tax, because my fear is the capital gains tax, if not this year or next year, or not this year, next year will certainly get worse. And, um, maybe you can, uh, go ahead and bite the bullet and sell all of it and do what you knew, need to do for the investment property, for the, for the property, and then start looking at reinvesting the rest of it in a very well-diversified um, portfolio, maybe an income-type portfolio. Or uh, are, you, are you retired, Doug? 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm still working, but I'm 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 73 years old, so I'm beyond retirement age, but I still work full time. So, okay. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I if you don't sell all of it, that's fine. You know, hope for the best. I mean, I think some of these regional banks stocks will continue to rise for a little while longer, but I don't know that you'll be able to get all the way till next year to do it. Because certainly, if there is a dramatic increase in capital gains tax, they may not make it retroactive. And it sounds to me like they're trying to make a case to make it retroactive, but they'll probably lose that in a, in a in committee if they try to pass a bill to do that. So it will take place next year. Certainly, if they don't raise tax, uh, capital gains tax or they just raise the capital gains tax the way they're talking on the top 1%, um, then next year they certainly will. And that will certainly be retroactive for the whole year, regardless of when they institute that. So I think that your safest bet would be to sell most of it now. Okay. All right. All right. That's sort of what I was to. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm very you, considered becoming a partner of yours. So. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you found us, Doug. Keep listening. If nothing else. Thank yes, you. Sir. All right. Thank you. Sure thing. Nice. Um, let me go to Linda. Linda's calling us from Virginia. Hi, Linda. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, Dan, I just recently returned to work after a year-long layoff, and uh, my new employer uh, offers 401k, matches 50 cents on the dollar up to 7%. Um, I am 67 years old. I have no savings, no retirement funds, but I do receive Social Security now. Uh, My question is, is it too little too late for me to start participating in the 401k? Um, I, you know, I, I had to take a cut in pay in order to uh, return to work. Um, I, I just need some guidance on what I should do. No, I don't think it's too, I don't think it's too little too late. I think it's always good time to do, particularly if you're getting that match. You almost have to try to work to try to get 7%. Uh, in as you know, or as close to it as you can, so you can make the fifty percent on the money that you've just put in. So right. you you need to do that. Um, if they offer a Roth version <clears throat> of their four hundred three b or four hundred one k, do the Roth side, not the traditional. But I but I think regardless, I think you have to do something, and you ought to do it at least seven okay. percent if you can. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at at doing 7%. I mean, it does help me tremendously that I am receiving Social Security. I get about $2,300 a month with that. It's not an enormous amount of money, but it sure helps. Yeah, so the the work, of course, and the, the, um, you know, the earnings could change that a little bit as you now might, might make some of that Social Security taxable. But um, if you're very borderline about that, then you wouldn't want to do a Roth. It might be better, more beneficial to do a traditional. Um, But yeah, I would, um, I would take a look at that. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, now, one of my options is for a retirement income fund. Do you know, and can you tell me anything about that? No, I can't because it's probably a group of mutual funds that they're okay. offering there. I would not do an annuity. So if it's got, if it's with an insurance company, a MetLife or Prudential, whatever it might be, then it's an annuity. And I wouldn't do that uh, if you have okay. other options. But yeah, I don't, um, a lot of, they call it that, you know, and it might be two or three different funds that they offer. It makes it sound like it's a little bit more conservative than the others, which would be a good thing. Uh, and I would, I, you know, maybe look into that for sure. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. You take care. All right, Linda. Thank you. Glad you called. Let me go to Rich in North Carolina. Hi, Rich. Hey. Uh, good morning, Dan. Uh, thank morning. you so much for your ministry. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, sure. I've been listening to you now for about four years. In fact, I even uh, sent a little money your way, but have not yet become a partner Mm-hmm. And I need to fill you in a little about myself before I ask you two questions, because it's okay. a little complicated and multi-tiered. So please bear with me. I'm a 75-year-old retired widower, uh, no children. I'm fairly good health. In fact, my father lived in 99, but God knows what he's got in store for me. Right. And I might remarry to a financially independent woman within a year. Um, I used to be in the stock market years ago. Uh, but after the dot-com bust and the other down markets in the mid-2000s, my account went down, I don't know, about 35%. I waited till it got back within maybe 3% of my previous value, and then I cashed out. And because of that, I never returned to the stock market, which was probably a mistake. So I've been pretty blessed, not counting total real estate holdings of about 750000 I also got maybe... 875000 in CDs, cash, and IRAs. Now, on my home, I've got a HELOC, of which I owe about $92,000. I've only been paying interest, which is variable, presently with about 3.25%. And it does have the potential for legally going to 16%. And in the past, I was only intending on paying the minimum required until the HELOC was paid off eventually, you know, if I didn't die first. However, now, considering the financial situation of the U.S., I'm wondering if that's a good tactic. So I'm concerned with all the money this country's printing and the level of national debt. And I believe the stuff's going to hit the fan one of these days, and maybe hyperinflation will kick in. So question number one. Would there be a situation where the HELOC interest rate would quickly jump and I would not be able to pay off since the funds were in another bank? Because I've heard of scenarios from other countries where depositors were not allowed to withdraw uh, their monies only in small amounts. So I could possibly hit with huge payments for the HELOC, but couldn't pay it off. So should I pay it off now? That's question one. Yes. I don't even have to think about it, to be honest with you, uh, Rich. Um, I think you, you uh, absolutely should pay it off. It becomes a very good investment for you right now by paying it off. It's going to free up some cash flow. Not a lot because you're only paying interest. I get that. 
but it's going to free up future cash flow uh, in a dramatic fashion. So I would look at your payoff, you know, laying out $75,000 as an investment um, in, in that is going to return income to you. I'm just, you know, obviously, obviously it isn't, but it just from a mental perspective that it's going to, uh, be a good investment. I would, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. Okay. Second question. Thank you. Uh, so after I pulled out from the stock market, I invested in a couple of single family homes, which I renovated and rented out. And then, but when I moved, uh, to North Carolina, I sold them and eventually bought another one, which I'm presently rehabbing. Now, I know the landlord in this area. You know what, Rich? I'm going to put you on hold. I'll come right back to you. Sure. So, so okay. uh, hang in there. Short break. I'll hold. I'll hold. All right. Folks, we'll be right back. 610-363-1110. If you want to queue your call up, we got a line open. 610-363-1110. We'll be back um, right after this. The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. 610-363-1110. Talking to Rich from North Carolina, and Rich was finishing up with uh, some questions that he had. So let me go back to Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Thank you very much. Uh, so the second question is this, Dan. So after I pulled out from the stock market, I invested in a couple of single family homes. I fixed them up, rented them out. Um, and in the past, I've heard you say that uh, that's really good uh, investment. But when I moved, I sold them. I bought another one that I'm presently rehabbing. I know the landlords in this area for the last year of COVID have not been able to evict people for non-payment of rent. Uh, due to the socialist administration policies in the state, and it still might continue. Who knows? So when I'm done rehabbing this house, I am torn between selling it or not selling it and renting it out. Now, considering I know yeah, you've been a portfolio manager for many, many years, Dan, what's your take on the possibility of hyperinflation? And would holding stocks really help in that situation? Or would holding real estate be better? Because I thought... In hyperinflation, only real estate, gold, silver, hard goods in hand would help you get through those times. So is there anything else that accomplish that? And what would holding stocks do? So in holding real estate, you're going to have issues with values on houses going down. That may not be an issue for you because you might say, it doesn't matter to me. I'm renting. I'm not going to be selling. But uh, I just throw that out to you. So the value of your house, uh, my wife and I, bought our first house during the Jimmy Carter years. We had a 14% mortgage because we got a good deal. <laughs> we got a good deal because I went VA. But just to give you an example of how depressed the house was, I paid $32,000 for it. It was a little twin house, and I sold it for 74000 in two years. Because once the inflation was over, of course, and things started to come back to some sense of normalizing, we saw the, the prices go up. So I would say that um, it'll be somewhat of a renter's market if we have a hyperinflation situation. So if you are a landlord and you are 
uh, not a renter's market, a landlord uh, market, uh, in that there will probably be an abundant of, uh, abundance of renters that that aren't going to be in a position to buy a house or won't want to buy a house. So <clears throat> I think that um, so I I I don't so I don't think the real estate as a hard asset is going to be a great investment from an appreciation perspective. Uh, that's not going to happen during hyperinflation. But as far as an income perspective, with the exception of the, the um, progressive leadership in the state of North Carolina and what they might demand uh, for a period of time, now, it's going to be very difficult to demand that when everybody around them stop, uh, stops demanding that. And, um, you know, but nonetheless, it could be that could be an issue. I would say that if you don't need income, if you're if you're rent, uh, holding the rental property as an investment, and of course, you're making the income from it. If you're doing that and it is you know, you need the income or, uh, you know, to supplement your current income, then I would go ahead and finish it off as a rental unit. I may hesitate to put it on the market for a period of time to see what the what happens with the law. Uh, but I would say continue. If you're not in a situation where, let's say you need, you know, a, certainly a percentage of uh, money to help supplement your income, then then um, I would, you know, I would uh, get, I would sell the house. I'd flip it and sell it, see if you can make some money off it. Um, that's how. That's what I would. I, I mean, I think that's the best course of action. Here's the other thing. Having said all that, I know what we're reading and seeing and talking about. Everybody's, I I I highly, I highly doubt that we will get into a hyperinflation area, not because of fundamentals, not because we shouldn't by all accounts, but probably because that the, the Treasury Department knows that the country will go bankrupt if that happens. Because, um, you know, we'll be paying trillions of dollars to service our debt if we get into a hyperinflation area. It, you know, people talk about the Federal Reserve raising rates when things get better. It is going to be really, really hard for the Federal Reserve to raise rates because they're just they're going to be getting so much political pressure not to do it. And the pr- pressure is going to come in the form of, OK, uh, whoever the Treasury, whoever the chairman is at the time, um, you just know that. You know, the, the uh, bankruptcy of America will be written in the history books as your, as your fault. You know, um, there, there's not – it's going to be very difficult to do that. So – but at the same time, there's going to be an organic inflation. So during the Jimmy Carter years, the last time we had hyperinflation was – remember that. Yep, yep. It was due to the – to um, the rates constantly going up, 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 raising the rates at the Federal Reserve lending window, constantly going up. And 
now if we have inflation, hyperinflation, it would have to be an organic hyperinflation. So right now, the Federal Reserve has done nothing to raise interest rates, yet interest rates are going up. And so they've done nothing to uh, really, other than talk about they'd like 2% inflation, and inflation is up over 2% and will likely continue to go up whether they do anything or not. Will it ever get to a hyperinflation uh, situation? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be, uh, I, you know, we've never really had uh, enough history about organic hyperinflation, you know, just organically getting higher because of circumstances like wages going up, not enough workers, uh, an economy that is still moving forward in the midst of all that. And and again, uh, the the self-induced slowing down the economy of higher prices for things begin to just uh, weigh on uh, the inflation numbers and they continue to get up to what we might consider a hyperinflation. I don't know if we can have that again. I don't I have that. I I just I really just don't know. I think it's extremely unlikely based on the fundamental principles of how uh, inflation related to monetary policy works. So I find it hard to believe that we could get into a hyperinflation situation. But what would drive that would be the, the devaluation of the U.S. dollar. And that can happen organically, too. That can happen without in any intervention. I would argue that it has happened many, many times. They just haven't been periods of time that have lasted long enough to make any difference. So I think the Eurozone is in uh, extreme danger of that happening. So uh, that could happen as well, uh, that just the devaluation of the dollar causes monumental problems. And, you know, one one would say a uh, a Berkshire Hathaway would say, well, you know, we need to have hard assets. But to them, hard assets is going to be things like some gold, some silver, railroads, um, uh, mining operations, uh, literally oil wells, you know, those kinds of hard assets, not necessarily residential real estate. So um, I don't know. It's really a hard call to make. Um, I probably wouldn't try to make the call if I were you. I would just do, uh, even though you may be wrong that we might not get the hyperinflation, at the same time, it may be the right thing to do is not expose yourself to it uh, now. And so if it doesn't happen, then you could have done the other. But not doing the other is not going to hurt you. If you so, you, if, excuse me, Dan. So you're saying, so you're saying that uh, not exposing myself is not selling the real estate. Yeah. So well, no, no. Yeah. So, it not exposing yourself or exposing yourself would be to maintain a rental unit um, that you're not going to be able to sell 
and you're not going to be able to maybe get renters because the, the economy is so bad. So that's what could happen with holding on to the real estate. And um, so the, the better way to go might be to sell it now while you have a bird in the hand and you know what, what's going to happen. Okay, so then, so I said if I was ever getting back into real estate, I would become a partner and, you know, do some kind of income thing with you. Yeah. Uh, how is that going to survive, you know, really bad financial situation? With the well, because if, if they're good, solid companies that are producing, like, you know, I'd rather own a major company than the government. And I think that um, what happens is, they won't cut their dividends. Their stock may go down, but they're going to be, if, if long as they're going to survive, and those big companies are going to survive, uh, they can't cut their dividends because that creates more bleeding, more selling, because people will hang on to it as long as they're paying the dividend. So they're, going to be, they're, not, going to, they're not going to sell. Um, you know, they're not going to cut dividends. So if nothing else, you'll still get the income. The value of the stock will be down, but the income will likely continue to flow. I got to run, uh, Rich. So I, much, I hope I that's helped you. It. You're welcome. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. All right, folks. We're at the end of the hour. We'll be back um, right after this break. 610-363-1110. Go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up the cross. Follow me. It's not your money I want. I want your heart. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. We in America should be grateful to God for the blessings he's given us. Don't let anyone tell you that America's best days are behind her. We have got to fight for this nation because I believe with all my heart this nation is in fact one nation under God. Good morning. Financial Issues, I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. 610-363-1110 if you want to cue your call. By the way, uh, we do have our news. 
tomorrow evening and Thursday evening, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Central Time. You can watch our newscast at FISM.TV. I hope you'll do that, FISM.TV. You can check that out. And this is the time that we get a little bit of a news break here as we uh, head into the ag report, and then we'll get back on phones and uh, some more commentary. So we hope you'll stay with us. But here's Sam Case from FISM News, who's going to give us an update on some things that are happening uh, around the country, around the world, maybe. I'm not even sure. But Sam, glad you're here. What do you got? Good to be here. Well, you're right. Some of it is around the world and around the country. We're going to be taking a look at a little bit of everything. Let's start with Israel. Just give you a quick update. I know we talked about this quite a bit last week. So I'm just going to give you a quick look at what happened over the weekend. Obviously, the violence is continuing. The conflict's now claimed about 197 Palestinian lives and 10 Israeli lives as the fighting enters its second week. Uh, Just be aware that number of Palestinians is not all civilians. A lot of it is uh, terrorist troops from Hamas, uh, as well as the Islamic Jihad uh, division in Hamas. Uh, Israel has confirmed that they've successfully attacked multiple high-ranking Hamas officials' homes, as well as killing the Islamic Jihad's armed commander for North Gaza. Also, the U.S. approved a massive $735 million weapons sale for Israel on Monday. Uh, This sale will focus on Israel acquiring precision missiles and special munitions from the United States. And we'll be sure to be giving you updates as that goes on. So you're going to want to check that out on FISM.TV slash news, as I'm sure throughout the week there's going to be more and more updates with what's going on in the Middle East uh, as it has become quite the firestorm over this past Mm. week. Uh, Meanwhile, on the COVID front, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky says masking will continue in public schools through the rest of the year because most kids will not be vaccinated by the end of 2021. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows this, but last week uh, they said if you have been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. They're saying, though, because most kids are not vaccinated, they're still going to have to wear those masks in public schools, at least. I know private schools may be different. It depends on what's going on in that private jurisdiction. Although kids, it's interesting enough, don't get COVID as severely and they also don't spread it as much. So there is a question there as to if they even should be wearing the masks at all. The CDC is currently working to update its guidance for summer camps. Uh, As far as vaccinations do go, currently 59.7% of the adult population in the United States has at least been partially vaccinated or received one shot. And then here's the most important number, I think, when it comes to vaccination data, and that's of those 65 and older, which are the most vulnerable population. If anyone, quote unquote, needs a vaccine, it would probably be the people in this age group, uh, and that would be 84.5% of those 65 and above have received at least one shot of vaccine. So that's probably a driving factor into why things are opening up even more than the overall percentage rates. It's probably Mm -hmm. those people in that particularly vulnerable age group. uh, And that's why that's so high, because they're 
they're less concerned about side effects of the vaccine. Uh, they're more concerned about getting COVID. Uh, in politics, this is an interesting one. A CBS News poll, I believe it was conducted by YouGov, shows 80% of Republicans agree with congressional Republicans' decision to remove Liz Cheney from leadership. So 80%. Wow. Uh, I know there was been some talk among conservatives saying that Liz Cheney shouldn't have been removed. She's bold. She's brave for speaking her mind. And they say that the reason is because she was honest about, in her own opinion, about the election. Uh, but the interesting thing is 69% of Republicans don't say that it was because of the, her messaging on the election, whether she agreed or disagreed with Trump and the majority of Republicans about it being stolen, but rather it's just her messaging in general is not in line with the rest of the party. She's more focused on talking about the election, talking about Trump, than focusing on what Biden is doing so they just don't feel that she is effective in leadership mm. anymore because she's constantly harping on those issues. The poll also asked Republicans what they see as most important in a Republican candidate. Uh, interestingly enough, they don't think that loyalty to Trump is necessarily the most important thing. They do think that proposing important legislation followed by good economic policy are the important factors in electing a Republican uh, they did say as far as Trump goes, it's most important that the GOP follows Trump's example on economic issues followed by immigration. Hmm. One final story on our website. Yeah, another Canadian church is facing crackdowns over COVID restrictions. Uh, the Church of God in Elmer, Ontario was shut down by the state after the church had over 100 people at multiple Sunday services last month. Uh, these were conducted without masks or social distancing. So that church is now shut down and the senior pastor is facing $10,000 in personal fines. But he says that he's not going anywhere. He's not backing down. So it's just a reminder that even these uh, quote unquote Christian nations are facing some level of persecution under COVID-19. I know we think of uh, China and India and other hostile countries towards Christianity as ones that uh, are particularly under fire. And that's true, but there is also... Um, our neighbors to the north are facing quite a bit of hostility uh, towards their faith during the pandemic. So just something to keep in mind for our believers out there to be keeping in prayer those multiple incidences. If you want to learn more, you can go to FISM.TV slash news. We've been following just about every case of uh, government overreach on faith and church in Canada. Great stuff. Thanks, Sam. I sure appreciate, appreciate that. Sam Case, FISM News. You can go to FISM.TV slash news or FISM.TV and just click on the news tab. Thanks, Sam. Sure appreciate it. Sam Case. All right, folks, here's Craig Hauger. We'll be back. This is Craig Haugard with your Financial Issues Egg Update for May 17th. Well, corn was hit extremely hard on Friday with the July futures ending the week 88.5 cents per bushel lower than where they had started the week at. The fuel driving Friday's sell-off was a report by Informa which pegged planted acres at 96.8 million, up sharply from the 91.1 million that the USDA projected in their late March report. If true, it would increase the projected carryout by a little over a billion bushels. And the fear of that happening had funds selling 25,000 contracts on Friday, which took the corn market sharply lower. Soybeans were supported by an extremely hot soybean oil market and managed to close higher for the session. The Informa analysts increased their projected acres of uh, soybeans up to 88.5 million, uh, up a little bit from the current USDA projection of 87.6 million. With record small carryouts expected and the renewable diesel program, which is pushing vegetable oil 
to levels that we've maybe never seen before, I would look for soybeans to react aggressively to any potential production problems. Wheat had something for everyone with Chicago higher, Kansas City unchanged, and Minneapolis a fraction of a cent lower. Right now, weather seems to be the top story in the wheat market, and with the upper plains of the United States and the western regions of Canada projected to receive rains in the 10-day outlook, prices could struggle here to get any upside traction. From an international perspective, the EU and Russian wheat outlooks are generally considered beneficial for production in those regions. Finally, in the export markets, ocean freight is currently making it tough for U.S. wheat to compete as it increased anywhere from 50 cents to $1.5 per metric ton last week for the major shipping routes. Cotton futures had a rough end to a tough week with the July futures finishing down 255 points settling at 82.43. Livestock futures were mixed for the day. At the close, August live cattle were 57.5 cents lower, while August feeder cattle were 65 cents higher at the close. Lean hog futures gave up some ground as well. We had the June futures finishing $1.37.5 cents lower for the session. Class 3 milk futures faltered on Friday, although they were nicely higher for the week. At the close, June futures were 26 points lower, settling at 19.36. Meat cutout values were mixed. Choice box beef was 16 cents higher, closing at 316.94. Select boxes were $2.72 lower as they settled at 293.19. Pork carcass cutout values took a small step backwards, finishing 49 cents lower, ending the week at $115.70 per hundredweight. This has been Craig Haugard with your Financial Issues Ag Update. We'll be right back with more financial issues after this. Six ten three six three eleven ten. If you want to queue your call up, um, boy, there's so much going on in the news. Um, certainly, so much going on from a political perspective, and all this political perspective, all of it brings more and more and more and more uncertainty into the markets. It has to. It has to, and it will continue to do that. So um, it is interesting. I know uh, Sam was talking about. Liz Cheney there and the change. And, you know, um, they're talking that there's going to be a whole new Republican Party. I don't think a, a third party, but I think a Republican Party that is going to have to change dramatically and have to become true constitutionalist, uh, founding father uh, advocates and and really uh, true conservatives. And I think that's what it it's going to be changing to. And. Um, so there may not be a place for somebody like a Liz Cheney that might defect to the Democratic Party. She certainly is not going to win. She's not going to be in the House. I can't imagine her winning her district uh, right now after the petition to get her out and, you know, to recall and all those other things. I can't imagine. I don't think those people have the shortest, the short memories that so many others do. So I think she's going to be going anyway. It might be totally irrelevant. But, man, some interesting stuff uh, going on as we continue to watch um, all, of, all of this. As we look at the markets, we see that all the markets, all the indices anyway, right now are in negative territory. 
and uh, not a lot. Everything's down about a quarter. The Nasdaq's down a half of 1%. But the Russell 2000, the small cap stocks, continue to give back some of the ma- amazing gains that they have made over the year. So they're down uh, 1.2%. Uh, continue to, uh, they continue to drop. And oil has uh, turned up. So oil was negative at the beginning of the hour. Uh, they are positive now, headed to 1%. They are up about three quarters of 1% at 65.83 a barrel. Brent crude oil also up uh, just over a half of 1%. Every, all of the energy commodities, commodities are in positive territory. Not gas up again. It's up 6% right now. 6%. Why is that important? Because some of you, one or two of you, may be running your air conditioning this summer. Your utility bill is going to go up. When we look at last week's NAC gas numbers, we're starting off this week up 6%. You know, that's going to have direct impact on your utility bill. So um, make no mistake about that. So what does that do? That's inflation. Utility bills was one of the top three as, as far as the last CPI numbers, uh, the con- consumer price index numbers that came out that were up so dramatically Utilities was a big part of that. Well, it looks like it's continuing to romp on and looks like it it will. So we'll see what happens now. That gas prices have been uh, depressed for five years, I'm going to say, five years. I mean, they got a lot of room to make up. They got a lot of, lot of growth here to make up. This could also be good for a lot of your energy stocks. And it could be good even for the oil stocks that have a, you know, a 25 stake of what they do and their profitability in that gas. So it's going to pull up uh, the whole share price possibly and uh, help out some of those energy stocks. So interesting stuff. All right, let's go to phones. 610-363-1110. Let me go to Sherry. Sherry's calling us from Texas. Hi, Sherry. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. I'm calling from Tyler and just trying to regroup again on after the conference call and trying to figure out what I need to do with my two Timothy that I'm really high in, both um, uh, the TM22, I'm 43% up, and the TM29, 18% up, and they're both 10 to 12% of my portfolio. And we were talking about not being in the small cap right now. And should I sell out of these and put them? I don't. Okay. No, I mean, they're up so much that they're going to become a good foundational piece to your portfolio someday. Remember, in October, November, maybe November, December, you know, they're going to, you're going to have that revaluation. So they're going to pay Mm -hmm. out some capital gains. They're going to, um, you know, the, the share price of them are going to drop down, but they're still going to, they're going to remain. I think they have an opportunity 
to remain above your original cost basis, how much money you actually spent for these two shares, uh, maybe permanently. Okay. I mean, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, no, I would not sell. Okay. So I don't have anything in um, the small cap. I mean, I'm sorry, the fixed income right now. So PM68, I have it in the fee shares. Should I start putting into that? Um, how far are you from retirement, Sherry? I'm 55, so I'm 10 to 12 years, 13, 14. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't yet. I think that let's see what interest rates start to do on the treasuries. Because the fixed income okay. is mostly treasury bills. And let's wait it out a little bit and watch it closer. I mean, the, okay. I'll tell you, the in interest rates have remained uh, very, very solid. But I, w I would hold off a little bit. Okay. So I, right now I don't have anything in consumer staples. And I also noticed somehow I've missed the sale of two financials Can I, that are no longer even on your broad list. Can I give you those? Uh, no, I don't need them because I know they're in a group of about six. So I know, okay. I, I think I know what they are. Um, or, or it doesn't matter if they're any one of those six. Um, yeah, okay. are you up in those now? Um, no, I'm down a little bit. I'm about 2,000 combined with those two down. But you, but how long have you had them? A long time. Since yeah, and you're probably, and you, and you look at the value and you think you're down, but I would suspect that you're positive when you add in all the income that's been yeah. reinvested or seen. So I would, I would, I would sell those. Get out. Okay. Okay. All right. Good deal. That's what I needed to know. And thank you for all you do. It's sure nice to have your counsel during these very volatile times. Mm. And we so appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, uh, Sherry. I appreciate your partnership. God bless. Yes, sir. Yep. God bless you. Have a great Thank day. You. Thank you. Let me go to Stephen in uh, Louisiana. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Dan. Hey, I'm a longtime listener and a partner, and I have a question about my wife's youngest brother died unexpectedly, and she was listed as the beneficiary of a 401k. Uh -huh. um, she was going to get about 50 grand out of it. And she wants to give that we, – we don't need the money. She wants to give that money to his divorced wife's kids, his stepkids, I guess is what it would be. He's been divorced about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And she wants to give that money to them. But can we just have that money go straight to them and us not have any taxes on it? Or does it have to come to us and then we have to give it to them and we have to pay taxes on it? Yeah, it has to come to you. There's no way of getting it to them. Yeah. You can do, because I also have an IRA beneficiary like I do to church. I just send it straight to church and it doesn't show up on my income. Yeah. Okay. And the other part of the question is, um, there, there's uh, four siblings and they're going to split. He has some money. He sold a house right before he died and he has some money in a checking account. And she is also going to receive a share of that. And she wants to give that money to, this is kind of a tangled web that her younger brother lived in, but the girlfriend that he lived with for eight years, she wants to give that money to her that's in the checking account. So I guess we got to pay taxes on that, too. How much will it be? Um, I think about $25,000. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, if if it was fifteen thousand, you could give fifteen thousand of it and avoid. You know, it could be just a gift from you to her, and that would uh, eliminate any taxes for either one of you. Or you oh, could, yeah. yeah or you could gift it. Um, you know, fifteen now and ten in January. But so how does so if I gift? I mean, she takes this twenty five thousand. I'm not sure exactly, but and we gift fourteen thousand to his girlfriend. We don't pay taxes on the fourteen thousand, and she does not. So it's a. It depends on if it's in the estate, if it's in a an estate account at the bank, you know, from the sale of the house, there's not going to be any federal estate tax, but there may be some state. I don't know what your state says or, or what the deal is with your state. So, so basically, whatever taxes, if there are any, Taxes due at, from the sale of the house to divide it up between the siblings. If there's any taxes due that – so here's how ideally it would work. So the money is sitting in the checking account if it's a, a state-type account. The estate would file a final tax return as these things are settled, a final tax return for her brother. The taxes would be paid on everything, and then there wouldn't be any taxes due to the heirs. Okay, I got you. So that would be the ideal way. If that's not how it works, if that's not how it's going to work, then, yeah, you might have some taxes to uh, pay if it's treated as an inheritance and it's necessary from the state of Louisiana, which I'm not sure – uh, if there's a probate tax. Okay. All right. Well, that answers my question. I was pretty sure about the answer of the first one, the 401k, but what you told me about this one, about the checking account is different. So thank you very much. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. You're welcome, Stephen. All right, folks. 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110 if you want to queue your call up. And we'll get uh, back to calls right after this break. My husband. 610-363-1110, 610-363-1110. If you want to cue your call, you're welcome to do it. 610-363-1110. Let me go to Mark. Mark's calling us from Texas. Hey, Mark. How's it going, Dan? I appreciate Good. you taking my call. Sure. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Uh, I've been working for the same company for about 34 years and the environment started getting toxic and it finally came to the point where I had to uh, get another job. My questions, I had a couple quick questions. I have a 401k plan with this company. It's a large company and I have a pension plan, but uh, I'm going on 58 and uh, I'm trying to figure out when I notify them and I'm going to be put in my notice, whether I, take my money out of the 401k plan and move it over to the new company or into like an IRA or real estate or, and then with my uh, pension, uh, whether I take, I can take like early retirement right now and then I, I get a reduced amount, but then they have like a lump sum option. And then they have a bunch of other options for, uh, you know, my spouse, like 25, 50, 75%. I'm not sure what to do with the two of those things when I leave, should I retire or should I quit? and then wait till I'm 65 and take that. And then the last part of my question was, I know there's something I think called the 55 rule. And if you're over 55 and you retire from the company that has your 401k plan, you don't have to pay the penalty if you take the money out. So if I, uh, if I did that, uh, I'm not sure what to do with that stuff. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I off the top of my head, I would say you should retire if you have that opportunity. And okay. if you don't, I don't, it's not that I don't think they'll offer you a lump sum. They will. They might not do it right away, but they will next year or something. But um, I would probably um, retire. You definitely move your 401k. Now, whether you move it to your new company or not, that's fine. You can do that. Uh, but I would definitely move it one way or another. And of course, the pension is you're going to have to make some decisions. And I, uh, you know, that I would look very carefully at what the amount of money they're going to give you every month so that you, you know, I, I like the idea of having fixed income to having an actual income coming in on a regular basis. I like that. I think that's a good idea. So uh, I'm not, I'm not against you taking that, that retirement uh, uh, income. I know the lump sum is always very, very attractive, and we have to look at it. But I'm assuming, I don't need to know because I don't need the numbers, but I'm assuming that you have a fairly large 401k. And I'm also assuming that the lump sum payout for the pension is probably going to be fairly large. 
So if you were to take the lump sum and combine it, roll it in to your 401k, you'd have a fair amount there to be investing. If you think you're going to do that, then I wouldn't roll the 401k into your current employer. I would take the 401k and roll it into a brand new IRA that you've established somewhere at Fidelity or one of the brokerage houses, wherever, and then roll the pension into that 401k. Um, and, And then begin to develop an investment strategy from there. You can either follow our system or somebody else's or whatever, but begin to develop an investment strategy for that. The nice part about doing this now or in the next couple of months, there's not going to be any sense of urgency for you to make any real changes as far as moving, you know, uh, as far as moving it over and then I got to quick develop a strategy. I don't think there's going to be any sense of urgency just because of the, the condition of the environment, the, the investment environment in the economy. But I think th- so. So if you're not going to take the lump sum and you're going to take the payments, then, yes, roll the 401k into your current employer. If you are going to take it, um, the lump sum and not the payout then then uh, I would suggest you open up an IRA account and roll both of those things into one account. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it would be obviously, it's a reduced amount that I would get right now with the, with the pension. I, I have to wait till I'm 65 to get the full amount, but it's a large amount for the lump sum. But if I live 20, 30 years, it obviously like, you know, four times what I'd be getting in the lump sum payment right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things you don't know. So Right, right, right. And, and if my wife you, wants to know. <laughs> yeah, and if, you take a, and if you take the payment, you have to take the spousal benefit. So, um, you know, I, I, you don't have to, but I always tell people they have to because it's just the right thing to do. So... Um, that would reduce your, your payout, you know, your payment a little, a little bit more, but, um, you'd have to, you'd do, have you, to do, that. do you have any recommendation about the percentage, like the spousal, it's like 25, 50, 75, or a hundred percent. Obviously it goes down, uh, yeah. based on how much the percentage is. Yeah. I would say that you need to take at least a 50 but 75 is more than adequate because, you know, the money's going to be coming clear and it'll right. be, uh, you know, it'll be equal out. It'll be fine. So, but 50 at, at an absolute minimum. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your, uh, your help with that. And uh, thank you for what you do. You're welcome. Glad you called, Mark. I appreciate that. All right. God, God bless you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. God bless you. Let me go to John in Mississippi, I think. I can't see that. John, Mississippi. Go ahead, John. Hey, uh, I appreciate your show. You do a great job. Thank um, you. I bought a used car, and whenever the ma'am was going over all the paperwork with me, um, it was all electronically signed, you know, so it was just literally, he was just scrolling through, click, 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 click. 
And whenever I got home and looked at the paperwork, they locked me in at an interest rate at 22.9%. I was wondering, uh, is there any way to get that down? Yeah, well, you got to refinance it. You got to go to a financial company and get rid of that. So you'd have to go to a Christian community credit union or might be a good place to start. Um, You can get their number off my website there, financial issues. Uh, Or you can go to another credit union or even a local bank, but you need to uh, refinance that loan. Okay. Um, Can I tell you my credit score and just you give me an idea of even if I'll get a lower credit score? Well, have you, you, you know, whether you have good credit or not, do you, is it just kind of sitting on the fence? It's fair. fair. Yeah. Well, I I think if it's fair, worst case scenario is you end up with a 9% mortgage, uh, 9% interest rate if it's not real good, but you could, you could get it down lower than that. So. Um, uh, okay. Well, I, yeah. I really appreciate it. And I want right. to get to another call. All right. Thank you, John. I'm glad thank, you called. Thank you for everything you do. God You're welcome. You. God bless you. Thank you. Let me go to, uh, William in Georgia. Hey, William. Hey, Dan, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks. Good. Hey, Dan, I'm a, I'm a partner. been here for several years and I tell you, I really appreciate it because I couldn't imagine trying to navigate this today without your uh your guidance so uh please keep up the good work thank you i'll do it thanks uh dan quick quick question here um i am 67 but i'm in the 55 65 asset allocation model because um my wife is is 10 years younger so she she anticipates working about 10 more years um and on the utilities, um, the only utility I have right now is UT74. Mm-hmm. And in that sector, I'm only uh, funded up to about 3.5%. And um, I'm overweighting cash, so we're good there. So uh, would you think I need to go ahead and pick this up um, in this sector to a, to a higher percentage? Yes. Okay. Of your of your current um, utilities on your buy list, does one stand out above the other, or would you um, dollar cost average into the UT seventy four? What would be your your guidance there? Yeah, well, I I don't. Uh, I think this is a good a, a pretty good time to dollar cost average into the one you already own, um, the UT seventy four. I think there's uh, this is not a this is this is a good time to do it. And I wouldn't have a problem doing that. But I would also like you to take a look at the mid cap uh, or large cap that is on the list now and um, on the buy list to add some diversity and put some money into that one as well. Okay. Do you have a a number on it? Because I think there there are several on the buy list now. Yeah. um, Let's see if I can get it in front of me here. Struggle a little bit this morning, but um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that you need to, even though 
you know, you, you need to look at, do you think you're going to be drawing this income? No, I, it, it will be at least 10 years before we start taxing Okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll look at it during the break. Keep listening, uh, William, and I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, keep, keep listening, uh, William, and I'll get back to you. Okay. All right? All right. God bless. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll be right back. To reborn. The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Yeah, William, um, UT91. UT91, I would look at UT91 and um, diversify on that. So dollar cost average into the UT74 and then... Um, Get a, you know, get a position in UT. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. 91. If you want to diversify further, I don't know how much money you have, so... You know, um, if you want to do further diversification and get three stocks in there, then I do UT37 as well, but UT91 first. Okay, so hopefully that uh, that helps you a little bit. Sorry, I couldn't couldn't work that fast to get it get it uh, in my queue here. All right, let me go to Randy. Randy's calling us from Indiana. Hey, Randy. Hi, Dan. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it very much. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm already, I was disabled and been drawing my Social Security since uh, about 10 years now. Uh, but my wife is now 66, um, and she's not ready to retire until she's at least 70, she hopes. Uh, she has about $300,000 in an account that is managed uh, by Transamerica for the company that she works for in a 403B. But she also has uh, about 50000 in an IRA account that's separate from that. Uh, we've got some repairs that we need to make on the house, and my wife was considering possibly taking out a, a uh, 
a loan to do that, and I suggested that she cash in that 50000 IRA and go ahead and take her, her tax penalty on that now instead of having to pay interest on a loan to fix up the house. And I just wanted to make sure that I was going to tell her the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if she's going to work another 10 years, I mean, that's an okay thing to do. I don't have a problem with that um, and, and pay the taxes. Um, I think that's fine. She's how old? She is 66. So she's 66, going to work yeah. about three or four more years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an okay thing to do. I'd rather see you do that than uh, take on the debt. I think that makes more sense considering she still has a good 403B, a fair amount of money in that. And that makes the right. most, most sense to do. Yeah, I would do it. Okay. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. All right, Randy. Glad you called. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me go to um, Charles in Ohio. Hey, Charles. Hey, Dan. Excuse me. Good morning. I, Good morning. Uh, drive a lot, so I have to listen to a lot of your podcasts because I missed parts of the show. So I apologize if this has been asked. Um, I should say I'm in and out of my vehicle. Listening to the recording over the weekend, the cash position. I'm not sure, and I'm assuming that means to uh, put the money in one of the um, places under your list that when I click on cash, purchase one of those, as opposed to when you say cash, I was thinking maybe that means um, to leave it in the money market part of Fidelity. That's not what you mean, right? You mean to purchase stock Uh, in the cash no, not necessarily. I mean, it could mean the money market account. So if you'll okay. notice on those cash positions, I say cash with some volatility when you look at the description. Yeah. And so I'm considering that somewhat cash in that it it will go down a little bit, it will go up a little bit. You know, it'll be volatile every day. It's going to be a different number. But it's going to be in a very tight range. It's not going to go down a lot, not going to go up a lot, just a little bit. But, you know, if you go to need it, it could be down a little when you go to need it. So okay. as opposed to a money market account, that if you put $10,000 in it, six months from now, you're going to have $10,000. Now, you will right. have earned maybe a couple pennies in interest, but not a lot. So, so that doesn't have any volatility to it the money market account. That's going to be whatever it is and basically paying almost no interest rate, but uh, a little bit. So in the next two years, you're probably going to have more in your account, your money market account from one of those cash positions than you would from the money market account and the Fidelity account. Okay. So either way is okay to buy those uh, cash portions or just leave it in the, I think Fidelity calls it a SPAC. S-B-A-X-X, leave it in there. Either way is okay. Either way, Let me ask yeah. you real quick as a follow-up, if you have a minute. Um, sure. As I'm 50, only have about 30000 saved, and, and I'm trying to make up for it later. Can I put too much money? I listen to a lot of financial gurus about where my money goes. I only listen to you. Um, so I hear one investor say to invest 15% of your income. I assume that means for the people who are starting in their 20s and their 30s, when you're 50, is can I put too much in my brokerage account? I feel like I need to just dump as much as I can these next 10 years into my brokerage account and invest it. 
No, I don't the... think you can put too much in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't Fair think enough. that I don't I don't think that you need to be concerned about that. It's your brokerage account number 1 and I would I would do it. I would Here's what I wouldn't do though, Charles. This is just more of a little bit of a warning because our intuition is our nature is oh man, I've you know, I lost all this time and you know, I'm going to put in my broker. I got to be as aggressive as aggressive as possible. Don't do that. You're going to get burnt. So okay. all I, all I would say is put as much in you can, but invest it. I don't mean conservative like money market accounts or or even bond funds. You want to be in equities. So I don't want to be but I I don't want you in the in the in the micro cap um, pharmaceutical companies that are going to be all over the place because you're you're also in a place that you want to make kind of steady money. You don't want to be in a situation where you're up 30%, down 40, up 10, down 20. You know, you don't want to be in that kind of place uh, because it could take time to get from the down 40 to positive right. again. It could take three, four years. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to waste time. You don't want to miss out on time. Time is everything. So you'd rather be in good, solid companies. I'm not saying they're not going to go down. They will, too. But they're going to go down, you know, uh, uh, not, not quite as much as a very aggressive fund or stock. And it's going to go down a little bit and it's going to go up. And it'll, it'll put new bottoms in. It'll get to the place where you'll be really in, in really, really good shape. So I would want to stick to those those large cap, mid cap companies that have great still have great potential, uh, but that's where you want to be. That makes sense. I appreciate it. I uh, joined the Christian Credit Union yesterday, and I'm going to move my big mega bank money over to there. So I'll either thank you or blame you later. I don't know which. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just call me if you want to thank me. No, I'm going to kidding. You, <laughs> right. you can, right. you can call and blame too. me I'm if you want. Also. I know you. Right. Right. All right. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Let me go to uh, Vicky uh, Roscoe in Ohio. Hey, Roscoe. Yeah, I'm in Oklahoma, but that's okay. Oklahoma. Okay. Well, that's me. I can't, yeah. I can't see my screen here, but go ahead. That's okay. Uh, a while back, thanks for taking my call, uh, and I appreciate the work you do. Um, a while back, you talked about an active trust. I have, I'm in a partnership with two brothers on farm that we had inherited in southern Iowa. Uh-huh. And uh, with the present tax or situation with our present president, uh, a while back, you had talked about putting it in an active trust to uh, avoid something. And I needed to know some details on that, what I needed to do. Well, uh, so the goal is that you should be in a trust, have all the property in a trust. Is it it named in the trust? Yes. Okay. And just be certain. In the partnership. It's not in a trust right now. Oh, is it a partnership? Okay, mm-hmm. so it needs to be in a trust because, okay. and you all need to be trustees of the trust. So okay. let me put it to you this way, uh, 
because this helps you kind of give it, get a picture of it, Roscoe. Okay. If you are in a partnership and one of your partners dies, the mm-hmm. other partner inherits the money. If you are in a trust and one of your trustees dies, nothing happens. There is no inheritance. Okay. You owned it. You owned it then. Now, you guys own more of the trust now because there's fewer of you. But there's no inheritance. So okay. there's no there's no tax triggered because nobody died. You just got you just lost a partner and now you own all of it. You know what I mean? So so that's how you have to look at it. So you don't want a partnership now, you want a trust, a, a, a trust where you're all trustees. Okay. Uh, let me tell you tell you also, um, the end of this month, I'll be 75. I've got a brother that's 72 and one that's three years younger than that. So he would okay. be 69. Right. Um, now, what does that do to us in, in establishing our wills or redoing well, so, our wills? So all you do with your wills is... After all your assets are in there, you don't ever have to mention the trust. There is nothing there. There is no property to put in your will. If you want to leave that property to somebody else, then it's done in the trust. So all you have is a pour over will, it's called, that you have some other items in for other people that you want to leave something to. But it's a lot less complicated of a will. I got to run, Roscoe. I hope that's helped you a little bit. I'm sorry I'm out of time. Have a great okay. day. Folks, if yep. you got to leave Thank us, if, if you got to leave us, folks, I hope you have a wonderful day. We will God never bless. compromise our principles and standards. We will never give away our freedom. We will never abandon our belief in God. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 